Thrive Suite Productions presents The Perception Veil. The human mind can be rational one moment and irrational the next. We humans can tell ourselves that there's no such things as ghosts or werewolves or aliens, but then in the next thought, we start to wonder, right? What if there are ghosts, werewolves, aliens? In the dark of night, our mind tends to wander to all those things we've heard about when we were little, and our pulse quickens, and our pace picks up, and we are eager to turn on the light to erase the darkness and the fear that lurks just behind the perception veil. The following account happened in 2009 in the northeastern United States. I went to visit my daughter and her family one evening. They live in a rural area that is quite dark at night due to a lack of ambient lighting. I exited my car and began to walk across the yard toward their house, and there was a sliver of a moon in the night sky, so it wasn't completely dark, but with trees all around the perimeter of their property... It was dark enough to where I couldn't see much in front of me. As I was walking, I came to an abrupt stop and I raised my arms out in front of me. And not by conscious choosing, but I just sensed something was right in front of me. It was an instinct, I'm not sure, but thinking that it may be a yard toy, I, I kicked outward, but nothing was there. And then I heard a rustling. It was distant at first, but it was approaching me rapidly. The initial sensing of my path being blocked grew stronger. And then I saw from the opposite end of the darkened yard a figure moving very swiftly towards me. The figure was moving so rapidly that it appeared as a blur approaching. It it was headed straight at me and then only veered to my left at the last possible moment. And it was only when it passed me And it was only for a split second aligned with me on my left that I got a close enough glimpse of it that I was able to register enough about what I'm going to give you as the description. So I estimated it was about eight feet tall, and this is based on comparing my height of 6'3". However, the figure kind of glided by and was leaning forward at an almost 45 degree angle. It did not seem to contact the ground. It wore a monk-style robe. The material was worn and tattered, and the hood drastically draped down over the facial area, obscuring any facial features. When it passed me, it never looked at me. Its body posture and head remained straight ahead, but again in a leaning forward slanted position. Its movement in passing me created a very audible swishing sound. I stepped forward while looking in the direction of the house, and that one step triggered a motion sensor, which snapped on the floodlights. But I kept watching what had just passed me until it disappeared into the darkness. So, total time after passing me and then losing sight of it, uh, three or four seconds. When I entered the house, I attempted to tell my daughter what had just happened, and she held a finger up to her lips and in a low voice said, Don't say anything around Steve. 
He's already nervous about us living so close to the old barn. Steve had grown up believing the barn was haunted. Yeah, still trying to get a grip on what I had just experienced, I said, it's all right. Um, it was probably just my imagination anyway. I gave her what I brought with me and told her that I had a couple of more stops before home, so we hugged and I walked back across a now very well-lit yard to my car. I got in, and instead of going in the direction of what had passed me, I went the opposite way. After a few minutes, I saw the lights of a sheets store. I pulled in, found a parking spot, and stared off thinking about what I had really just experienced. This I knew. It really happened. What I saw was what all of the pictures and literature throughout my life had depicted as the Grim Reaper. So why am I still alive? Why did it turn away from me at the last possible moment? Now, this was a Saturday evening. On Sunday morning, I woke up at exactly 5.30 a.m., which was unusual for me. It was also unusual for me to be like fully awake. No momentary grogginess. I was bright-eyed. I moved to the edge of the bed and watched the early sun streaming in through the half-closed slats. The room was silent. Before I could stand, though, there was a long, single, musical note from a trumpet that came directly from the right corner of the room. It started low, but started to rise in volume, and it lasted about seven seconds. And then the room was dead silent again. I didn't have to look outside to determine a source. The trumpet sound was generated within the room. The acoustics of the sound made that determination unmistakable. But obviously there was no one standing in the corner playing a trumpet. I went through Sunday encountering several people who I almost told about the trumpet note and even the sighting of the entity from the night before. But then I thought better of it and kept it to myself, feeling that before blurting things out of that nature, I wanted to see if I could figure this thing out first. At six o'clock that night, I was watching the movie The Untouchables. About halfway through, I called my dad, who still lived in our old family home about 45 minutes away. I knew he liked The Untouchables, and so I wanted to check in with him. After talking for a while, I said, Hey, um... I want to tell you something that happened to me earlier this morning, and, and, and you're, you're the first person I will have told about it, but, and you might even think I'm nuts. And surprisingly, instead of laughing, there was a short pause from his end, and then he said, okay, you tell me what happened to you, and then I'll tell you what happened to me this morning. Oh, 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 what happened? He then told me that around 3 a.m., that morning, he was awakened by the doorbell, but it had an unusual sound to it, like it was only partly pressed in and then released. It was followed seconds later with the identical sound. I said, who was it? He said that he did not go to sea and stayed where he was. It was damn odd, and I wasn't going to move from my bed. That was very unusual for Dad to convey that to me. You know, he wasn't a believer in the paranormal. He, he wasn't really scared of anything either, as, as much as I can remember from my childhood. 
But then sadly, the, um, the next afternoon, Monday, I got a call from my stepsister telling me that my father had just died. He hadn't been ill. He was always the peak of health. And he was 79. He wasn't a young guy, but still, the last I had seen him, he was in good shape. And when I talked to him, he'd been in good spirits. All of this happened within 48 hours. And I'm left with questions. My dad and I are the same, were the same size, and we closely resembled each other. We also shared the same first, last, and middle name. And that caused me to wonder, did this entity resembling the Reaper mistake me for my dad and then course correct in the last possible second? Was the doorbell ringing the Reaper entity awaiting dad to answer the door, at which point dad would have died then? Was the trumpet I heard in the bedroom an announcement of my father's death? I believe I know the answers to those questions, but only time will tell. Because if there is a next time that I encounter the entity, I'll know for whom the bell tolls. It will have told for me. When tragedy strikes, it's a natural inclination to want to know all of the details. And when something terrible happens to someone you know and love, there also seems to be the desire to blame yourself. If only you had been there or if only you had done something to prevent them from being there in the first place, they would still be here, right? The following story was submitted to me by a young woman racked by guilt and sorrow after a family tragedy. Years later, she was given a gift to see what really happened that fateful day, and what would have happened if she would have been there herself. Thirteen years ago, my mom, my Ten-year-old brother and my eight-year-old brother were in a car accident. Only my eight-year-old brother survived. The accident happened in Oregon only two days after I had moved to South Carolina at the age of 18. Four days ago, I got home from work and I started making supper for my husband, myself, and our four kids. And as the oven preheated, I went to sit on our front porch to just relax and enjoy the first warm evening of spring here on the East Coast. As I sat in the rocking chair, I suddenly got the sensation of falling. And then all of a sudden, I was back in Oregon. And not just back in Oregon, but back in Oregon 13 years earlier. Everything about that time in my life was the same, except for one small detail. I had not moved to South Carolina yet. My mom and my brothers were on their way to the mountains to meet my stepdad for an impromptu long weekend. I joined them. I would have been riding in the front, except I had picked up the bad habit of smoking, and I decided to drive my own car, which was a little white Ford Escort, and follow behind my mom's red Suburban. My mom hated me smoking, but in my teenage rebellion, I did not care one bit. My brothers wanted to ride with me, but 
I wouldn't let them because I wouldn't have been able to smoke, so I made them ride with our mom. I followed behind on the winding roads through the mountains and saw my mom about to round a bend, but before I knew it, a semi-truck came around the bend, partially in their lane to avoid the edge of the road with snow and a cliff drop off below. My mom slammed on her brakes and hit a patch of black ice which spun the vehicle as the semi-truck T-boned them on the passenger side. I slammed on my brakes and jumped out of the car. I heard screaming and did not even realize at first that it was coming from me. I ran over and saw a heartbreaking sight. It was much worse than we were told about. My mom had thrown herself over my 10-year-old brother in an effort to shield him, and she took impact on her skull. The thing that halted me the most were the sounds they made as they were dying. Some ladies had stopped behind me, and the moment they came over and brushed past me, my vision faded. A day or two later, I stood in front of a mirror and stared into my own eyes. The grief, guilt, images, and sound were still too much to bear. I felt numb as I watched my arm raise and saw a knife in my hand make its way to my neck as blood dripped down from somewhere, presumably my wrists. I watched myself take my own life. And then everything faded again, and I found myself at what I can only describe as the edge of the universe. I was alone, but I didn't feel scared or alone. In front of me were millions of multicolored threads, and I watched as the threads weaved to and fro in lightning speed. They were literally weaving the very fabric of my life. I traced many of the threads back and back and back, and I was able to see so many tiny, seemingly insignificant moments of my life. Picking up a dollar off the ground, someone sneezing over there, turning right down a road instead of left. All of these moments woven together to create all of these events that led me to moving to South Carolina two days before the accident. Then everything zoomed in and I saw the earth, then North America, then South Carolina, then the town I had moved to, then the empty field where my house was to be built a few years later. As I was shown this image, I had a knowingness come into my mind that said, South Carolina is your cleft of the rock. And this is significant because the cleft of the rock is something that was also important to my mother. It meant a place of safety, to be set aside out of harm's way, to be protected. I was shown how all the events that led up to those two days before the accident all worked together to put me in a safe place. The accident still happened. The days, weeks, and years following have been hard as it is when anyone loses loved ones, but not being there, not witnessing it, saved my life. I gasped for air as it felt like the wind was knocked out of me. And I was back there sitting on my front porch again. Not even a minute had passed in real time. 
My mind whirled as I tried to comprehend and process what had just happened. I hadn't even thought about the accident in weeks. Life had moved on, and although I still love and miss them, I had not been dwelling on the accident at all. I wanted to cry. So many emotions whirled inside of me. Sadness for the memories that it had stirred up. Gratitude that my life had been spared. And something else. It took me two days to realize what that something else was. There was an emptiness inside me. I had been carrying guilt for all of those years for not being there. The guilt was so intertwined with the sadness and mourning that they had never been separated. The guilt arrived the moment I learned what happened. The emotions were one and the same. For 13 years, I never knew they were different. But now I had been given a gift. The guilt was gone. I now know what would have happened had I been there that day. My children would have never been born. I never would have lived to see my move to South Carolina, and I would not be here writing this to you today. I have accepted this gift now and understand that I experienced a supernatural kind of healing. But what had happened to me in that blink of an eye? Did I experience some type of alternate reality? Did I slip through a portal in time and space? Nothing like that had ever happened in my 32 years of life, and something told me it probably will never happen again. It hurts my head to try to understand the how. All I know is that I am alive, and I no longer carry the guilt of moving and not being there on that day. I am curious to know if I am the only one who has experienced something like this. And there you have it. Two stories of people standing on the precipice of their own mortality each with a harrowing dance with the dark shadows that sought to claim them. Terrifying in the moment, but grateful for the gift to spend additional days here among the living, each breath a reminder of what might have been lost. A narrow escape in that fleeting instant, a reprieve from the existential twilight that for a moment engulfed them. A brief glimpse on what lies on the other side of the Perception Veil. This has been a Thrive Suite production. Copyright 2024. All rights reserved.